Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Ho! Just got back from the United Kingdom. Wonderful time out there at the Club Leadership Summit in Northern Ireland. The people, the people in Ireland are some of the nicest people you will ever meet. I was so impressed by the people out there. For instance, I got off the train station. I asked somebody, where is such and such street? Trying to get some directions. Oh, sir, let me walk you over there. It's just a few blocks, but I can take you over there. And as an American, we have these walls up, right? I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Just show me, show me where it's at. Wasn't sure if they were trying to roll me at first, but they're really just that nice. So it was an amazing trip. I was in four countries. I was in five airports, four train stations, visited Ireland, Northern Ireland, Scotland, and England. Got to see some of some awesome folks who have been on this show, some former guests, including Leighton Walker, manager over at Burford Golf Club in the United Kingdom. And cool story about that is I decided to meet Leighton. He asked me uh, to come up to St. Andrews. They were doing a CMAE event in St. Andrews. And I was walking up the 18th hole. I see this guy hit this beautiful shot from about 100 yards out, knocks it to within about six feet on the 18th green. And I see him strolling out. I said, that just might be Leighton. And I asked somebody who had just got done playing. I said, are you the CMAE group? They said, yes. And I said, is that Leighton Walker by any chance? They said, yes. So I got to watch him knock in his birdie putt, which is his third birdie in a row. And he won their little tournament that they were having, shot even par. So congrats, Leighton. That was really cool. Really awesome to meet you there. Got to meet Stuart Finley from Wales. I got to meet and experience really London with Eddie Bullock of Eddie Bullock Consulting. And what an awesome time he showed me. He took me to some places that are off the beaten path that you would not find if you did not have a tour guide like Eddie. I'm not going to give them away here on the show because if you ever get a chance and you know Eddie, I'm sure he'll take you to some of these places. They're hidden gems and it's better that you're surprised because it was so cool. Not only that, we walked past Buckingham Palace, Westminster Abbey. He showed me all the sites at Trafalgar Square and he gave me some history lessons along the route and that was just really cool time to spend with Eddie there who's been a great friend to this show for a long, long time. The Club Leadership Summit itself was fabulous. The event put on by Neil Flanagan and Club Inc. Just just amazing. We spent the education sessions at the Titanic exhibit in Northern Ireland in Belfast. And they had some incredible dinners set up along the way. And the networking was just fantastic. If you ever get an invite to go to that Club Leadership Summit, definitely take them up on that offer because it's one of the best conferences I've been to. I got to speak. People really seemed to enjoy it. I wasn't sure if the message would resonate with the UK audience and it seemed to really have hit the mark. So I'm really happy about that. And hopefully I can get back there again next year because I just love the folks in, in the UK. It was cold and even snowed on us on the last day. So next time I'd like to get there a little earlier in the year too and play some golf, some of those Scottish links and some of the wonderful clubs they have around the UK. But thanks to everyone who I met there. And just the hospitality they showed me was, again, just second to none. Just loved that time I had. Well, this is going to be a really cool episode. We're going to be talking about real estate trends 
in private clubs and in the in the country talking about how real estate value is really being lifted up around the country at some of our private clubs. And we're going to be joined by Peter Nanula and Russ Curtis, who is the general manager of McGregor Downs Country Club in North Carolina on this edition of Board Chats. And now it's time for Board Chats, presented by Concert Golf Partners. A behind-the-scenes look inside real boardrooms with special guest Peter Nanula. Welcome to another edition of Board Chats, where we chat with actual board members and staff of equity member-owned clubs who get their real-world experiences in the club boardroom, dealing with board strategy and management issues. It's a behind-the-scenes look into the boardroom, and it's brought to you, as always, by Concert Golf Partners, who bring capital and operating expertise to preserve and enhance private clubs for the long term. On this edition of Board Chats, we're going to be talking about real estate, and there's some pretty exciting things going on in North Carolina. And so I want to welcome to the show Russ Curtis. He is the general manager at McGregor Downs Country Club in Raleigh, North Carolina. Russ, how are you today? I'm great, Gabe. Thanks for having me. Russ, I want you to tell us about the revelations that you've had about home values in golf club communities. Well, I've uh, often heard in my 25 years of being in the private club industry that there is a relationship uh, between private clubs and the community that surrounds them, uh, really a symbiotic relationship. And I've heard this multiple times in educational sessions and through discussions with members as as well as um, staff, but I haven't really seen any evidence to that point. So I wanted to see if I could maybe prove that out a bit. And I certainly am aware that our club has become uh, more stable and improved in its quality in recent years. But I was curious if that has also happened for the community that surrounds McGregor Downs. So what I did is I looked at the home sites that touch the golf course, and I looked at a, an independent site, Zillow.com, to see what relationship there might have been. And I looked at that since our club was recapitalized in 2014 with concert. And what was the impetus here is that really this is a lifestyle decision for many of the residents, whether they're going to become a part of the club uh, or not. And we have home sites that are um, north of $500,000, some north of a million dollars. And that's certainly the case with a lot of the concert properties. In some cases, it's substantially higher than that. Um, and then the other factor is members in that lifestyle decision are going to pay an entrance fee. It could be $10,000. It could be twenty-five dollars or $30,000 or more. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of discussion about where they are with their homes and where they want to enjoy their, their leisure time. And that's what I've looked at. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so uh, what were some of the results and things that you found when you were going through that research? Well, I studied it initially with McGregor Downs Country Club, and there's over 220 home sites um, that are touching the golf course. And um, looking at the timeline between 2014 and 2017, um, I found that there was an increase in average value with all those home sites of over $120,000. And that was a substantial increase of over 18%. So um, I shared that information and then uh, later looked into some of the other concert properties with Hawthorns in the Indianapolis area and the golf club of Amelia Island in Georgia. And um, this was also reviewed from the time of recapitalization to this year. 
And in both those cases, it was a substantial uh, improvement in home valuations, 18 to 21%. So that was quite impressive. Yeah, that totally is. Well, let's loop Peter in here. Uh, Peter Nanula is the chairman of Concert Golf Partners. Peter, aren't home values, uh, aren't they more valuable in a prestigious private golf community? Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, Gabe. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I think since way back when, before the three of us were ever in the club industry, it's always been true that you know, Toll Brothers and Pulte and home builders and developers will put a top-notch golf course as the anchor amenity in building a master plan community, right? It, the, the club sells a lot of the homes. The developer gets paid premiums for lots that fronts on the golf course, right? And so I think that part of the story here is 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 old and, and remains true today. Having a having a prestigious private golf club uh helps home values in general. Yeah. And even even homes that aren't directly on the golf course. And in fact I live in on one of your uh in Carrollwood Village next to one of your properties, Carrollwood Country Club, and my house is Luckily, just off the fairway, so I'm not getting any balls hit at me. Um, but I know from from my own experience, just in two years, I think my house has gone up uh, about 125,000 from where we bought it as well. So I can see that for sure. So, in your estimation, what's what's changing, Peter? What's changed here recently? Yeah, so I think what Russ's analysis has uncovered is uh, is a misperception that I run into in boardrooms of member-owned clubs all the time. I mean, I think. The, the 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 long-held perception was just being a member-owned club is by definition more prestigious, you know, more exclusive, and therefore it's got to be better for our home values, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and I think what what we're all learning as an industry is that a a really thriving prestigious club, you know, think Baltus Rall in New Jersey or any number of thriving exclusive. Uh, you know, top 100 private clubs in America. Uh, yes, that remains true. The home values will do better right next to those golf courses or even a little bit off of them like yours. But if the club itself isn't doing particularly well, financially, maybe they've got some debt issues or, you know, they've had some assessment conversations that have become known in the community. And there's a divide, 50-50, 60-40 among the members about whether we should push through a $10,000 assessment um, or the membership is somewhat stagnant or even declining a little bit. I think that's the thing that has changed is this new reality that if the club is struggling and is not one of the ultra elite clubs in the country, then the home values may not be doing as well as people think and may be better off with an infusion of capital and a a refresh, so to speak. And that's what we've seen. Oh, that, that totally makes sense. Well, Russ, I want to take it back towards you again here. Um, let's talk a little bit deeper in terms of the data that you analyzed looking at McGregor Downs and uh, Hawthorne's up in Indianapolis and, and, and the golf club over there at Amelia Island. Can you talk to us a little bit more detail about what you were looking at? Sure. I think uh, the time span for this analysis was uh, a three to four year span, depending on the time of recapitalization to current day. And to me, what should at home here is the net worth impact. And each of the three clubs in just a few short years, there was an increase of between 18 and 21% of those home sites. And these were not all 
members as well. So even the residents who live in the community who had not joined the club and still may not be a part of the club did realize an increase in their net worth and their, their bottom line. So that was a very positive development. Uh, to me, if a prospective club residents, a resident has a strong likelihood of increasing his or her value by over six figures in two to four years, as this has shown, there's a strong argument for focusing your board's attention on making the, sure the club is properly capitalized and operated and not just relying on uh, a traditional belief. So um, this is a very positive development and I think something that is quite impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Peter, I know you've got some other real estate observations, just what's going on in general nationwide. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of those? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I, I would finish up by adding to what Russ said. You know, oftentimes I chat with these members of these clubs of all different types around the country, and they'll say, Peter, I just want to level with you. We love the club. Been here 32 years, but I have a much larger financial investment in my house than I do in my club membership. Right. <laughs> I spent twenty or 40000 or whatever the number is to join the club, and I spend a lot of money here every year. But, you know, I have a multi-million dollar home and we really care about home value. So one of the first five questions I always get is, talk to me about property values at our club. What's going to happen if we do what we're doing or if we partner up with a group like yours, et cetera. Anyway, so that's a, that's a common topic. And I'm really uh, appreciative of the work Russ has done to get at the actual data around home values. One of the other things that comes up a lot, Gabe, in the boardrooms is, the real estate value uh, of the land underneath these country clubs can be a um, a, a decoy or a, a head fake, right? A lot of times the, the boards will borrow from a local bank in order to finance capital projects. That's pretty typical. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to do $5 million worth of projects, divide that up amongst X number of members. We're going to add 7500 bucks to everyone's monthly bill to pay the debt service on the loan. Well, how'd you get that loan? Well, we got a bank who wanted an appraisal to appraise our club, and they came back and said it's worth $28 million. Wow. Well, it was easy to get the loan once we had that appraisal. Well, what's that $28 million value based on? Well, it's based on the value of the land to a home builder. Mm -hmm. So, Gabe, where you live, can you imagine if... Carrollwood Country Club in Tampa got bulldozed and Toll Brothers put up 500 new homes there. <laughs> uh, a, yeah, it'd be very difficult. B, you'd get a lot of lawsuits from angry homeowners who have beautiful views of a golf course right now. And even people like you who live off the golf course would be pretty upset because it's kind of the nature of the community you're in yeah, exactly. that it has this amenity, right? It happened to me in Boca Raton, actually. They, the, I lived on a golf course, and it, it just went away, and nobody was happy about that, that's for sure. So, yeah, so I just find that we're, we often see clubs that have taken out bigger loans than they probably should because they were able to get an appraisal based on the land value, but that's a bad idea for the club. That's a lot of debt that needs to get paid back. Right. before the next capital projects need to be financed at the club. And the premise that you're going to bulldoze the, the club uh, and bring Toll Brothers in to put up 500 homes is nothing that the members typically want. So why are we taking out these big real estate-based loans? Mm-hmm. And the other distortion that happens is I'll often stand up in front of a town hall meeting with hundreds of members 
and the same topic will come up. Well, our equity in the club, I'm one of 300 members. Uh, when I paid 30000 to join. Well, we got an appraisal that said our club is worth $28 million. So people are doing the math on the back of a napkin and saying, well, wow, $28 million divided by 300 people. I'm going to get a check for $100,000, we, whatever the math is. Right. Well, wait a minute. The whole premise of you getting that check is that, again, we're going to hand the keys to Toll Brothers, bulldoze the club, and you're going to get show of hands. How many people want to get rid of the country club so they can get a check? Right. Zero hands usually go up. <laughs> Zero. Right. So that's just confusing for people because you're a member. You were told some things when you bought your membership about whether you'd get a refund or you'd get it back or what's my equity worth. And people have this certificate in their drawer that I think a lot of them are confused about its value. If you want to keep the club as a private club, there's a lot of things that need to get financed, as both you and Russ know, year after year after year. you got to keep making improvements to stay ahead of the other clubs in your town. Yep, yep, certainly. That's, that's and then one other thing, I'll let you go, but uh, one other thing I see a lot is boards spending a ton of their time basically trying to be real estate developers. We need another couple million bucks to do the next group of projects. We don't have a properly funded capital reserve fund. Boy, we don't want to go back to our members with another big assessment because the last time we did that, we lost 20 members. Right. Why don't we sell a bunch of strips of land that we don't really need? And they'll spend several years working on that. And they'll find that the permits are difficult to get in their town. The costs of getting the engineering firms and the lawyers to work on it can mount and then there's just, you know, it did a lot of time. And so you're trying to run a club to break even. You show up and you got another 250000 500000 of costs to, to spend, like as a real estate developer. And, and you thought there was just an easy couple million bucks to grab by selling some excess land. Yeah. We see this all the time, and we try to get involved early if we can, because we're in a much better situation as a club's partner mm -hmm. to say, why don't we figure out what the members want, which is a new pool, a new greens, fix up the clubhouse, add outdoor dining, all those sorts of things. Let's get the club fixed, period, because we've got plenty of capital. And then if there's real estate stuff that takes five or 10 years to figure out and takes a lot of money to pursue, we'll work on that over time and we'll deal with it because we're in a much better position to handle that. But we see a lot of that going on at clubs lately also, Gabe. Yeah, I bet you have. That's awesome, Peter. And Russ, before we, we do end this, I just want to just kind of get your opinion here in terms of now that you have this data that you can kind of go to the members with, what's what's the best way for a manager to, to go about maybe conducting this own research at his club and maybe disseminating that to the club members so that they can see the value they're getting out of their club? Well, I think uh, using an independent source is important and trying to get a, um, a fair analysis of that. But I've shared this information with um, the members at large in a communication, I think it's been well received and I've done it verbally as well. And um, I think there's another factor that goes along with this and that is confidence. There's increased confidence, I think, with the membership in, in the club. And I think that is also translated to the community and now it's going both ways. That's what we have seen is an increase in member referrals. And if members want to be a part of the club and the community, that works well for both parties. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I love that it's lifting up the entire community around it. That's exactly what our club should do. So gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. It was just a wonderful chat and hope to do it again here sometime soon. Yeah, thanks for having us, Gabe. Join us next month for another edition of Board Chats presented by Concert Golf Partners. Well, that's going to do it for Private Club Radio this morning. Thanks for listening. I hope to see you back here next week on another edition. Until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by the Private Club Agency, the premier marketing and consulting firm dedicated to helping clubs increase and retain their membership. Visit privateclubagency.com to learn more.